Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. Incredibly, it is May 1st, 2020. Hard to believe that spring is here, uh, especially as you try to uh, witness uh, spring through your windows for the most part. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Those of you familiar with me, familiar with this program that I know that I normally focus on immigration and other issues that surround control of America's borders and the laws that regulate and deal with the uh, arrival presence uh, and other factors uh, concerning foreign nationals in our country, that is to say aliens. But um, the 800-pound gorilla in the room today is actually a microscopic dot. It's the coronavirus. And so uh, I, I will touch briefly on immigration and the role that it must play, border security, immigration, law enforcement must play. But I want to get into other issues that really uh, revolve around where we are because of this terrible pandemic that has wrecked havoc, death, and destruction around the world, economic destruction second um, to human destruction, the loss of life, the suffering, the pain, uh, people who uh, may have recovered or, or survived the disease but are spending quite a bit of time in rehab trying to put themselves back together again. This is truly a global tragedy that appears to have its origins in China, the fact that China uh, contests, uh, truly incredible. Uh, There's there's lessons to be learned. There's many lessons to be learned. But I want to start out by reminding all of you, uh, putting on my immigration cap, you know, my 30 years of experience with the old Immigration and Naturalization Service, that our immigration laws are principally there to protect national security, innocent lives, public health, and the livelihoods of Americans. It has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. The coronavirus has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity either. Uh, It has everything to do with figuring out how we deal with this disease, both now and in the future. It is the government of China that did this to all of us. Was it because of sloppy science? Was it um, an opportunity that they saw when the virus escaped or was first identified? So many questions that they don't want to answer. Did they perhaps, they meaning the government of China, not Chinese people. Let's make a clear distinction. The Chinese citizens live under a totalitarian, brutal regime, not unlike that of North Korea. So so let's try to make that very clear distinction. Um, This isn't about Chinese people. It's about the Chinese government. But we also must understand that China has, for many years, been sending us their citizens to acquire knowledge, education, whatever they could. Um, so that they could build up the Chinese economy and the Chinese military and Chinese technological capabilities. And we have aided and abetted them in that mission, which is nuts because we know that 
This is a communist government that has made no bones about the fact that they want to dominate the world. They don't want coexistence. They are globalists. Let's be clear. The government of China believes in globalism. They want to control the entire globe, the entire human population. They do want to take down borders. They want to take down our borders and the borders of all other countries. They are on a quest to rule the world. Uh, I mean, this is a frightening mentality. It's a challenging mentality. They're not alone in this. Uh, Putin, you know, once KGB, always KGB, is trying to reconstitute the old Soviet Union. He wants to acquire power and land and people. Um, You know, most people don't relate to this. People who want to be world leaders are not like the average person. We need to understand that there are those people for whom power is intoxicating. You know, it's illegal to drive under the influence, influence of drugs, influence of alcohol, Uh, but we have people governing under the influence of power, probably the most powerful drug uh, there is for somebody who falls under its spell, the need to be a ruler, large and in charge. Uh, And lots of money is given to the rulers by people and organizations that want to curry favor and gain access and influence. Uh, If you want to talk about a corrupt series of circumstances, understand political campaign contributions, even in our democracy, which is designed to provide, again, access and influence and to enable those who write the checks to get what they want. It's a corrupt concept. And what we're finding out increasingly as we look at the leaders of our cities and states, that so many of them are petty, that so many of them seek power. Not all of them. Not all of them. And yes, we do have to take precautions. We're dealing with a deadly disease. And I do believe that the lockdowns have saved many lives, especially in hot spots like New York City. I think it would have been far worse, although it's hard to figure out how many people really have died of the coronavirus because um, the way that the numbers are being compiled, uh, bureaucracies live for the statistics, but never forget that while figures don't don't lie, liars can figure. When people are said to have died of the coronavirus, did they die with it or did they die of it? It's almost like prostate cancer. Did someone die of another disease and happened to have been exposed to the coronavirus? So the decision was made, well, we'll put down coronavirus because it serves a political end. I don't know. That might sound like a terrible thought, but politics has gotten about as ugly, nasty, and corrupt as I've ever seen it in all my life. We have politicians that are waging war with the president of their own country. I understand political opposition. I get that. Democrat versus Republican, that's fine. But for America to succeed, the White House has to succeed, you would think. So if you vote against the success of an administration, you may well be voting against the success of our country. Now, we can disagree. I did not like a whole bunch of Barack Obama's policies. I wish they had worked. I really do. Because if policies that at least we are told are designed to raise up the future of our our nation, our citizens, and and create a better future for our children, they always say these things, that absolutely I want every administration, irrespective of political ideology, to be successful. Full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat. 
but I really don't give a damn about left or right. I care about right or wrong. So if we are able to create better <clears throat> opportunities, pardon me, <clears throat> better opportunities for our citizens and better opportunities for future generations, I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in. We want to be successful as a country. We want our citizens to have every opportunity to be successful. But as I've mentioned before, the level of hypocrisy that we deal with is outrageous. And you can find hypocrisy on both sides of the aisle. The conservatives will tell you, well, the Constitution doesn't guarantee outcomes, only opportunities. And that's true. But yet you look at the executives of corporations who get golden parachutes, aren't they being guaranteed an outcome? Think about that. Imagine if you went to work in a factory or you went to work as a salesperson in a store, whatever, and they told you, listen, even if you screw up, even if you drive the company into bankruptcy, you're going to go out the door with a severance package that will involve more than several years' worth of your pay. Have you ever seen a company do that to an employee? Have you ever taken a job and asked them at the interview, gee whiz, if I really screw up and you have to fire me, how much will you give me to leave or as I'm leaving? Have you ever heard of anything like that? I've never been made that kind of an offer. I don't know about anybody sitting down at an interview and saying, okay, I hope I do a great job, but if I don't and if I have to leave, what will you give me? It's preposterous, isn't it? But isn't that we do with the CEOs of corporations? Look at what happened at Boeing. The 737 MAX jet crashes not once but twice. The president of the company, as it turned out, was not doing a good job of of managing the programs. There were all sorts of problems with the computers. They were looking to save money, always saving money, always the bottom line, always the bottom line. Amazing, isn't it? So they decided they'd make the plane more efficient and and burn less fuel so they could get more profit, which is fine. I have no problem with that, but not when the trade-off is safety. And eventually the president of Boeing was made to leave, but he went out the door with millions of dollars. He's not the only one. This goes on time and time and time again. Jeffrey Yilmaz, the GE, go down the list. How many people leave their companies and get a golden parachute? It applies to the CEOs to the high-ranking members of management never, ever applies to the people on the production floor, to the, to the salesperson, to, to the average worker who punches a time clock. You screw up, you're fired. And you know what? If your bosses screw up and they lose a lot of money and they have to divest themselves of several divisions because of inept management, you might still lose your job. But that's okay. That's the way it works. And look at Walt Disney, you know, the Walt Disney Company. They had the chutzpah to fire very successful, accomplished IT workers, computer people. They all got letters telling them that they were terrific, the best of the best. They helped the profitability of the company. They couldn't be better. And then they were fired and replaced with workers from India. (laughs) That's not bad enough. They had to train their replacements. They wanted their severance package. They didn't screw up. The company just wanted to get rid of them to increase the margin for profit. Frankly, I won't go to Disney. No American should go to any company that treats its people that badly. 
together. You know, Ben Franklin was right. We either hang together or they'll hang us separately from the nearest trees. Why in the world do we allow this madness? And this idea about outsourcing and bringing in foreign workers brings us back to China, brings us back to the way that technology was transferred to China, and look what's happened with it. Look what has happened with it. And, and I remind you that China is building its military. It's expanding its influence in Africa, Asia, everywhere across the world, the South China Sea. And we gave them the technology by which they're building up their military and threatening America. And we continue to do this. That's the crazy part. You know, the old story, well, whoever heard of locking the barn doors after the horse is stolen, what good does that do? Well, the horse is stolen. There's still a couple more horses in the barn, and the doors are still wide open. What is wrong with that picture? My dad taught me that there were no mistakes in life, only lessons if we learned from what went wrong. But he said if you continue to do the same stupidity repeatedly, it's inexcusable. It takes a special kind of stupid. Einstein said that insanity was doing the same things the same way and expecting a different outcome. Welcome to America. Here we are. The same things the same way repeatedly. What is wrong with us? How foolish, greedy, and stupid are we? What is wrong with our so-called leaders? The immigration laws, by the way, if you look at the, the current law, go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. That's the categories of aliens to be excluded from the United States. Nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. So if someone says, oh, it's racist to enforce the immigration laws, that it must be racist to lock your front door in the middle of the night, especially when the police warn you that there's burglars and home invaders wandering around after the sun goes down. You don't lock your door because you're a racist. You don't lock your door because you're antisocial. You lock your door because you have a brain in your head. You can fog a mirror, and you don't want to be attacked. You don't want your house invaded. You don't want anybody injured. Those are reasonable precautions. People have door locks on their front doors. When America attempts to do that, though, the globalists jump in and they yell, racist, bigot, xenophobe. No. Survivalist. I want to survive. I want my family to survive. I want America to survive. We need to have enough chutzpah, enough guts to stand up and push back at these crazy accusations. By the way, the first category of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States under the current law are aliens with dangerous communicable diseases and or serious mental illness. And then we get the criminals and terrorists and human traffickers and drug smugglers and aliens who would take the jobs of Americans and so forth. But item one on the list, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Because Ellis Island was a quarantine station. The concern was that we could have an epidemic. But, of course, that was then. It would never happen today. Here we are. Here we are. We're told that because of the coronavirus and the potential it might pop up again or some other version might pop up again, we have a new normal. Wear face coverings, which, by the way, are probably worthless. If you read any of the scientific literature, yes, I said science. You know, the other side, oh, you don't believe in science. Well, I was originally an engineering major. Two of my boys are engineers. I've been into science since third grade. But they dangle that word as an accusation. They wield it like a sword. You don't believe in science. We hear it about global warming and climate change and all sorts of things. 
And, you know, if you go to a trial or you, you look at literature, there's always opposing viewpoints, thinking outside the box. There's different theories. They're called theories because they're not facts. They're theories, ideas about how things happen. That's not unscientific to say that we're going to devise theories to explain phenomena, the, the, the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe and, 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 and dark energy and dark matter, theories. No one has ever really identified dark matter or, or dark energy, but <clears throat> scientists postulate that it exists by what they observe, by what they observe. For the longest time, people thought that black holes were only figments of imagination of physicists. Now it turns out that black holes exist in the center of virtually every galaxy, supermassive black holes, black holes that dwarf the mass of the sun by, by millions of times, just mind-boggling stuff. And just a couple of years ago, using radio telescopes, scientists were able to actually image the event horizon around the black hole, where the matter was accreting into the black hole and getting super hot and emitting a glow. And, and, and there it was, this picture of a black hole actually exists. Started as a wild idea by some physicists, turned out to be reality. And, and there were lots of people who told them they were crazy. Can't be. Doesn't happen. Doesn't work out. Turns out it does work out. Most of the great scientists, most of the great discover, discoverers were ridiculed. Oh, that's stupid. That's silly. That can't be. That'll never happen. And it happened. So to blindly follow people and then be intimidated because of the accusation, you don't believe in science, do your homework. Literally, do your homework. There's nothing illogical about saying that a piece of covering over your mouth that's not small enough to stop particles of virus is worthless. It's based on science. It's based on science. If the openings are too big, it's not going to stop the flow of the virus. So why are we being told to wear masks? I want someone to explain this to me. Because no one's ever quite laid it out. Don't use the N95, which does stop those particles, because we need those for the first responders and the medical people. Okay. But, but wear a bandana. <clears throat> wear, wear something around your face. One of the things that bothers me about this, and, and maybe it's just me, maybe this is a way to get people to not to really interact with each other. You have Silicon Valley determined to censor our communication. So we can't get closer than six feet to one another. And if you show up as part of a group, you might get arrested in parts of the city. I talked about it last week that a mother and a father and their little six-year-old girl went to a park. They were by themselves playing catch with this little girl, and the father got arrested by the police. I'd like to arrest the cop that did that. This is lunacy. Hot shot with a badge. I carried a badge for 30 years. I've arrested many people, lots of people. But goodness gracious, to arrest a father for playing catch with his daughter on, on an empty playground when all the cop had to do was to tell them, Folks, you need to leave. No, I mean, there's no fun in that. That little girl was traumatized and for no reason. Now you've got de Blasio threatening the Jewish community because there was a massive outpouring of, of, of humanity when a, when a very respected rabbi passed away. Was it the smartest thing to do? Perhaps not. They were wearing masks, if you see the picture. But de Blasio came out and threatened everybody with arrest. If this ever happens again. But at the same time, he said that they were going to distribute hundreds of thousands of meals to 32 centers, Islamic centers, because of Ramadan. Well, 
if you deliver hundreds of thousands of meals to 32 centers, hundreds of thousands, his, his statement, the likelihood is pretty strong that you're going to have a mass of people show up at these 32 centers. Why would you trigger that kind of an environment? Was it to set up the Muslims so he could arrest them then? Or was it because they get preferential treatment? I don't know. Nobody ever asked that question. But when you tell people, go to the center, there'll be thousands of meals waiting for you, you have to presume thousands of people are going to show up. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Does anyone stop and say, what the hell are you talking about, this inept and crooked crooked mayor that we have, the guy that hates immigration agents along with Cuomo, people who are a part of our defense against terrorism and drug traffickers and criminals, people who are there to try to make certain that Americans get the jobs. That's what immigration agents do. I know I did the damn job for three decades. It's not about race or religion. They turned it into that because this is the, the way that they're going to use language and twist the facts to achieve a political objective. It's unconscionable. It's utterly unconscionable. We're being told about the new normal, you know, face coverings, no handshakes. Don't even do a fist bump. Do an elbow bump, something new, elbow bump. Yeah, that's cool. I could see that. Um, a whole bunch of things. Seating on airplanes are going to have to take out the seats and restaurants. And, folks, this isn't really going to be tenable. We can't function that way. I don't know what the solutions are, but what they're calling for is extreme I understand it in New York City. New York City is really overflowing with this problem. I'm a New Yorker. I'm on the wrong side of 70. I haven't really been outside since this whole madness began. It's not fun, but thankfully I'm in my home, and I feel very comfortable here. I've always thought of my house as my fortress. I've been on my own since I was 21, and I've been living in this house since then. Uh, In fact, this has been my house since I was 11. I lived there with my parents, so I love my house. So thank God I am where I want to be. I'm not trapped on a cruise ship somewhere or a hotel room somewhere. I'm home, which is where you always want to be when when there's a problem, isn't it, to get to home. But goodness, we're being told of all the changes in the way we're going to have to live. Why then don't we, if we're going to talk about a, a new normal, no more sanctuary cities? No more sanctuary cities, and I'll tell you why. I got correspondence from a former Border Patrol chief. We're always in communication with each other. I wasn't in the Border Patrol, but I did attend Border Patrol Academy. Back when I hired on, everybody who worked for the old INS who had a badge. Uh, That was inspectors. That was my first job. Uh, Special agents back then we were called criminal investigators, deportation officers. Anybody who had a badge went to the Border Patrol Academy for training. And a Border Patrol chief did an an overlay of one map with another map. One map, sanctuary cities. The other map, the coronavirus outbreaks. And they coincided. The sanctuary cities, for the most part, had the greatest numbers of cases of coronavirus. That makes sense. The reason it makes sense is because of the way that we treat illegal aliens. People say to me, oh, you're not compassionate. Yeah, I'm not compassionate. I don't want to see people being smuggled into the country by human traffickers who rape the women, beat the men, rob them blind, and also force them to carry narcotics on them into the United States very frequently. Very frequently these days, human traffickers are drug smugglers, and they're involved with the cartels or violent gangs like MS-13 or the, or the Mexican drug cartels. Yeah, I want to stop that activity. 
I don't want to see people come to America to be exploited. That's not compassion. I've been in apartments where 20 adult men are jammed into a two-bedroom apartment that was designed for a family of four. They sleep on filthy mattresses, and those mattresses extend throughout the entire apartment. The hallway, the kitchen, wherever you go, mattresses. It looks literally like a crash pad. Total filth, rats running around the floors, so many insects in the apartment that when you flip on the light switch, the bugs that cover the walls, I mean cover them so you can't see the paint on the wall, scatter in every direction. Uh, little gallows humor, we called it the moving wall, and it used to freak me out every time I saw it. I remember doing search warrants in such houses, and you stick your hand in a drawer, and you pull your hand out, and it's literally covered with insects. You can't see any skin on your hand. What compassion we show people that live under those conditions. What's wrong with you? Don't you like to see people warehoused like that? And if you think it's rough the way they live, that's where they go to relax because work is far worse. Sweatshops with no fire exits. It looks like something out of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. People don't hire illegal aliens intentionally because they're compassionate. They hire illegal aliens so they can get away with violating not only normal wages, that's almost the least of it sometimes, but health and safety violations, uh, unbelievable violations, because they know that the illegals aren't going to rat them out. But don't worry, Mayor de Blasio or dumb Blasio or whatever you want to call him wants New Yorkers to rat out other New Yorkers if they see people standing too closely. Take a picture and we will immediately send the cops with lights and sirens and give them summonses. Maybe we'll lock them up, rat them out, and we'll give you a reward. We'll pay you to rat out your neighbor. He's not the only one doing this. We went from the United States of America to 1984 with the flick of a switch. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Rat out your neighbor. I I have to tell you, I don't even recognize my country overnight. Rat out your neighbor. We don't hear that about drug dealers. Rat out the drug dealer. There's a house of prostitution next door. Call the cops. We never heard that. Never. But if your neighbors are having a party, let us know so we'll come in and lock everybody up. How dare they celebrate? How dare that father play catch with a six-year-old girl? What the hell is going on? Take a deep breath and ask yourself, is this the America of six months ago, three months ago? You're giving a little bit of power to people with midget brains, and this is what the result is. It's illegal to drive under the influence, influence of drugs or alcohol. But apparently it's not illegal to be a politician operating under the influence of ego, power, or or corrupting money. Corrupting money, campaign contributions, bribes. People are starting to get disgusted around the United States. But no one is saying anything about these sanctuary policies that flooded America and flooded big cities like New York with so many people that the hospitals were overflowing. You know, I compared this to the um, Titanic. The Titanic hit an iceberg. There were only half as many lifeboats as there were people on board, capacity-wise. So right off the bat, you knew that half the people were screwed. I mean, some argued, well, in those days there were so many ships in the ocean, the idea was to 
to ferry people back and forth between a sinking ship and another and another ocean liner, which didn't happen. The cranes were too weak so that you couldn't put people in the lifeboats and lower the lifeboat into the water. The boats had to go into the water, basically empty, and then the people were going to try to get on board in high crashing waves. Lots of luck. Well, it didn't work out. They had lots of dead people. That was the Titanic hitting an iceberg. Today, the coronavirus hit us. The lifeboats of today, hospitals and ambulances, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And the life preservers are the ventilators, the antibiotics, and the personal protective equipment. Now, what's really remarkable, and I'd like someone to explain this to me, I really would, because many fatalities not only happened because of people living in close proximity, as we saw in Elmhurst and the Bronx and a couple of other um, cities, parts of the city that really have high densities of illegal aliens, but we also had lots of people dying in nursing homes because apparently nursing homes that tried to bring patients, their sick to the hospitals were told that they had to take them back rather than bring them to the hospitals provided by the Trump administration. Now, whether you like President Trump or not isn't the issue. President Trump reacted and reacted swiftly and appropriately and, and proportionately. You had the idiot Cuomo making these, these self-serving speeches the, as though we want to sit there and listen to his drivel, go on and on. This is the guy that calls ICE agents thugs, by the way. Rambles on and on with his wackaloon brother, the two, the, the two brothers, two peas in a pod. And he said, I'm going to need 40,000 respirators. And the White House said, we doubt it. I'm going to need 40,000. We don't have anything. Well, first of all, every year, um, the state of New York gets hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government for one mission and one mission alone, preparedness for terrorist attacks, okay? And one of the things that we're vulnerable to, as we really found out now, would be the potential of what would happen in biological or chemical warfare, totally unprepared. But they said they were prepared. What did he do with all the hundreds of millions of dollars that he got every year since 9-11? Why didn't he have the respirators? Why didn't he have the personal protective equipment? And then the, the, the kicker was halfway into his tirades about how the federal government wasn't doing what they needed because they didn't have what they needed. They discovered that there was a warehouse in New Jersey, I believe it was Edison, New Jersey, just across the river, loaded, loaded to the top with respirators. Didn't even know what he had doesn't even have any sense of inventory control. If he worked at a supermarket, he would have to do a better job. So the guy that couldn't figure out how to stock the shelves in a supermarket runs New York State. God help us all. And then you have de Blasio, who, it turned out, had respirators, never maintained them, and, and somehow sold them but doesn't know who we, who we sold them to. So New York City had no respirators because de Blasio, who's been here for years and years doing his stupid act, got rid of the respirators even though he's always screaming about how New York is a prime terror target, and it is. Don't you think we might need them? And not just for the coronavirus, but for the flu. Now, what's interesting is the number of flu deaths went down like crazy, just disappeared. I wonder, and you have to wonder, and this has been raised on some television programs, if a lot of people who died of the flu were supposedly the victims of the coronavirus. I mean, I have no idea the way the statistics get twisted. It's really hard to tell what the hell's going on. And I've seen that as an immigration agent, uh, and time permitting, I'll, I'll tell you how the numbers get played with over in immigration law enforcement, at least what used to happen when I was there, that it'll make you furious. 
It used to give me a headache. My head used to spin like a top. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. Keep repeating that. Follow my lead. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. And we have some prime liars here. What I don't understand is immediately the Army Corps of Engineers, and my dad, who was a construction worker and was in absolute awe of the Army Corps of Engineers, when you said to my dad, the Army Corps of Engineers, you were talking about gods. I mean, because he always told me there's no outfit in the world that comes close to what those guys can do. And he said that with this this amazing reverence towards them. And they proved him right. Once again, my dad was right. Not a shocker. He was almost always right. So was my mom. I had the best parents in the world. I was blessed. I hope I'm one-tenth the parents of my kids that they were to me. Within a matter of days, the Jacob Javits Center was turned into America's biggest hospital, which is within a matter of days. I mean, think of that kind of a Herculean task. Not a big deal for the Army Corps of Engineers. That's what our men and women of the military do, isn't it? We expect greatness from them. And then we're, we're, we're led by a bunch of schmucks who can't find their way out of a phone booth. Startling the contrast. So here's the question. They were forcing sick elderly people into nursing homes with frail elderly people who were at greatest risk of contracting the disease and not having a good outcome. And they were being forced into those homes with those elderly frail citizens. Why? The Navy ship, the Comfort, that basically empty. The Jacob Javits Center handled a few patients, basically empty. Why weren't those people with the coronavirus brought either to the U.S. Navy ship Comfort or to the Jacob Javits Center so that it would not have caused the disease to spread among the elderly and frail residents of the nursing homes? There are now trucks that have been discovered with bodies piled up like firewood inside unair-conditioned bodies, people reporting on the smells. It's bad that they died. It's horrific that their bodies were treated that way. And these were deaths that probably shouldn't have happened. If the sick people could have been brought to the Javits Center or brought to the, the Navy ship Comfort, not to the nursing homes, that I would submit to you folks that those folks in the nursing homes might not have gotten sick at all. They cut off visiting to the nursing homes. Their children and grandchildren couldn't visit with them. But they moved sick people into the nursing homes. I just want you to think of the enormity. There's a term we use, Charlie Foxtrot, a cluster, you know what. That's what this was. Was it the ineptitude of the politicians? Or, being the cynic that I am, did they simply say, oh, we don't need that optic of those hospital facilities created by the president uh, to be seen admitting patients in large numbers because then it would look as though the president did a great job and he saved lives. Might be a terrible thing to ask, but I'm forced to ask it. Did our, our genius governor and mayor make a conscious decision to not use those facilities that they demanded and promptly were given so that they couldn't then have to admit that the president did something right. I got to tell you, I think that's what happened. I think that's what happened. I wouldn't put it past either of those nitwits. And they are nitwits. 
I've never seen two dumber people in my life, two more self-absorbed people, these rambling speeches. And, you know, if Cuomo can sit around running his mouth all day for three hours a day, incredibly still has a voice. It's amazing. His brain isn't strong, but at least his, his vocal cords seem to be well exercised. What I'd like to know is how much work does he do as governor if he has time to sit around in front of the cameras and lollygag every day and, and, and just burn up the airwaves with his drivel? I guess he really isn't much of a governor because I would imagine that if you're the governor of the state of New York with the you know, biggest city in, in the country, that you'd be a busy man. Same thing for the mayor. You don't have time to talk. You've got work to do. No, he just hangs out and runs his mouth. Really irritating. Really irritating. If this was the comedy club, I'd have to get up and demand a refund, you know? But this is what our leaders do. They get in front of the cameras. They just run their mouths. The hell with running the state. The hell with running the city. What's better than to feed your own twisted ego to sit in front of cameras for hours at a time when we have a state that's in a state of crisis? I guess being a governor is kind of like a part-time job. So what does he do? Maybe four hours a week? It's almost like a no-show job, isn't it? Just stand in front of the cameras and run your mouth. And who's taking care of the business of the state? Who's taking care of the business of the city? I'd like those answers because they don't seem to be available anywhere. All they do is yak away. You would think if they had a job to do, they wouldn't have the time for that. You would imagine that those sick people would have been brought to those hospitals not to nursing homes, where, ironically, visitors couldn't go. Children couldn't see their parents or their grandparents. But they had no problem moving people with the coronavirus into those hospitals or into those nursing homes. Someone needs to explain it to me, because maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure that one out. I'd love to know how many of the people that died died in nursing homes. The number is large. I'd like to know how many people who died were here as illegal aliens burdening the system and living in squalor, which is not about compassion at all, is it, folks? There's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship. And in sanctuary cities, we got lots of slave ships, don't we? That's not compassionate. Now, the continuing of the lockdown is something else that I think we really need to think about. And the reason we need to think about it is because not everybody is going broke. Not everybody is going broke. Uh, I saw a headline in a, a publication, The Observer, and, and the title will blow your mind because let me pull this up for you. The Observer has a, a title here. This is yesterday, April 30th, 2020. Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, you would imagine they're busy. He's talking about how many millions he's had to spend on, on cleaning things up and keep the factory running. Meanwhile, he's got his workers demonstrating against him for putting them in dangerous conditions. I've seen other reports about the conditions under which he works his people. This is the guy who's the wealthiest man in the world, but yet saw fit to cancel health care for, I believe it was 400 part-time workers. That was the report. Maybe it's a lie, but if it's accurate, you have to be a pretty big scumbag to do that and be worth the kind of money that he's worth. Not a nice guy, okay? Not a nice guy. So I'm going to ask you a question. 
because of the coronavirus, this last quarter, Bezos made more money. So how much more money do you think Bezos made? Put on your seatbelt. Brace yourself for impact, okay? Let me read the headline to you. This is The Observer. The reporter, Ciso, Ciso Chow, or C-A-O Cow. I don't want to mispronounce the reporter's name. You're not going to believe this one, folks. This is the guy that allegedly, reportedly, canceled health care insurance for 400 part-time workers because he's strapped to cash. He was worried about not being able to buy hamburger that night, I guess. Headline reads, Coronavirus has made Jeff Bezos $33 billion richer as Amazon reports quarterly profits. I personally think that Jeff Bezos would love the lockdown to continue. So would Microsoft, because if there's a, if there's a silver lining to the cloud of the coronavirus, it is the cloud, the computing cloud, because everyone is working from home. So more people are buying more computers and more software and more peripherals. And they are rolling in the money. This is the best thing that ever happened to them. $33 billion increase in profits in one quarter for Bezos. Let that number rattle around in your head. See if it hurts your head as much as it hurts my head. I have no problem with people making money, with companies being profitable. I believe in capitalism. I do not believe in socialism. Socialism is a great idea on paper, but it fails to take into account human nature or even animal behavior. Because to be honest with you, my dog is a capitalist. If you wanted to do something, you've got to give her a reward. Isn't that capitalism? Right? That's part of it, isn't it? But it's a level of greed. And you realize that, wait a minute, these guys might, don't know if it's happening, but I wouldn't put it past them to be calling up governors and mayors and saying, you know, I gave you that campaign contribution last time, and gee whiz, we're having a grand old time. You think you can keep the lockdown going? I don't know if this happened. This is hypothetical. Maybe it didn't happen. But, you know, you always start out by asking a question. Could it be that politicians in cities that have very few cases of the coronavirus are bowing to the demands being made by people who are profiting by the demand for people to work from home or get things delivered at home? I don't know. But these are questions that we should all be asking. Could this create an incentive for politicians to maintain the lockdown longer than they need to to placate the people who are profiting from it? I mean, we're not talking about a couple of bucks here. Even I'm impressed by $33 billion. I mean, it's not like it's $10 million, you know, wink, wink. We're watching everything falling apart around our ears, people losing their jobs, their homes. Some of these businesses won't come back. We're screwing up the education of our children. We have no choice in the hot spots. I get that. I'm telling you that I could do anything I want. Uh, and the reasons I could do anything I want, I'm not going anywhere. I haven't been to the stores. I love driving. I haven't been behind the wheel of my car in, in uh, a month and a half. Because I, I do feel safe for being indoors in a place like New York, which is, is glowing in the dark with this damn disease. Please understand the problem that I have with what I'm seeing in other parts of the country. 
nothing is a safe proposition. Life isn't safe. People die of the, of the flu, and, and, and we've never seen a lockdown like this. Now, the coronavirus is purportedly much more contagious, and it probably is. I'll accept the science on that. I, I accept it to the point, as I say, I'm, I'm staying in my house, as is my wife. But we have to ask the questions. Why is this happening around the country, and why such draconian measures? Is it a power trip? Are they yielding to the demands of people that gave them campaign contributions? I don't know, but someone needs to explain it. Why are we wearing scarves around our faces when the science says that those scarves have openings so big that the virus is easily passed through? So what's the purpose to the scarf? Is it to keep us from communicating? You have the woman who runs YouTube saying, I'm not putting anything up on YouTube that, contra- that contradicts the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is, is the PR firm, basically, for China, isn't it? So she's not going to allow anything up there that contradicts the World Health Organization. Facebook, Zuckerberg said, I'm not going to allow anything on Facebook that is fake. Who determines if it's fake? He does. So when people said we're going to have a demonstration, he said, no, we're not going to allow that on Facebook. So there's two elements of the First Amendment there. It's freedom of speech and the right for peaceable assemblage. Now, state governments are saying don't assemble. He's not a cop. He's not a cop. There's nothing wrong with the American people having the right to use social distancing, a new term. It'll be in the dictionary, social distancing. While we jam more and more people into tiny apartments who are here illegally. By the way, I've got to make the point, Mayor de Blasio had called for changing zoning laws on February 6th so that people could live in garages, basements, and in little houses in people's backyards. Was it a doghouse? Unbelievable. So think of the contradiction. Think of the foolishness here. I'm sure that if, if the mayor wanted to put that on Facebook, Zuckerberg would have no problem with that. Oh, you want people living in your basement? That's cool. Really? But just don't do it outside or something. I, I'm not sure what, what that means. By the way, it's important to notice that um, according to the science, we use that word again, science, ultraviolet rays from the sun kill the virus in about one minute. So you would think that as we get further along on our way to summer, as the sun's rays get more direct and have greater power, that people should be outdoors and, and, and be bathed in that ultraviolet light because the ultraviolet light hits the droplets that have the virus in it, and the virus goes poof. That doesn't happen indoors. See, the ultraviolet light doesn't penetrate the windows. That's also science, folks. That's amazing how science gets in the way of the narrative sometimes. Maybe I believe in fake science. We've got to stop blindly following these politicians who absolutely don't give a damn about us. They could give a rat's tail about the well-being of America or Americans. They bring in foreign workers to displace American workers. What's that about? It contradicts itself. If you're trying to help middle-class workers, then you don't bring in competition to take the jobs of the Americans who want the jobs that you've promised to help them. Is that not true? Does that make any sense to anybody? It it makes absolutely no sense that if you're concerned about wages and jobs for Americans, that you bring in more foreign workers than the number of new jobs that are creating. George Orwell described that as doublethink. 
It means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Double think. We're looking out for you, and we're going to look out for you so much that we're going to bring in workers that will displace you. And if you don't get displaced, there'll be so many of them waiting in line for your job that your boss will be able to lower your paycheck, and you'll either accept it or be fired so one of those people who shouldn't be here can take your job. Double think if you buy into this nonsense. This is crazy stuff, but nobody challenges. Everyone's afraid. I don't want to seem to be impolite. And that's why they use the term political correctness, because everyone seems to think that if you're politically correct, guess what? You're being polite. No, political correctness is newspeak. You know, Orwell had a great one about this one. If thoughts corrupt language, language can also corrupt thought. Or, as he put it, political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. That's newspeak. Please don't use the term newspeak. Call it what it is. It's um, Orwellian. I'm sorry, don't use the term political correctness. Use the right term, which is newspeak. Designed to obfuscate the truth, to alter thought through the alteration of language. That's what we're really dealing with. Um, I I, I mentioned uh, there's two things I want to cover before we run out of time and the clock is ticking. First of all, quick thought about General Flynn. It was disgusting and sickening to read the way he was set up. Apparently, he had not told the FBI that he had had a conversation with the Russians. They could have asked him about it. They could have said, you know, can you explain this? Instead, it was an ambush. Uh, I was at war with my own agency because I had gone to send it to motto to change the laws. We had issues with a supervisor who had a brain tumor, uh, giving people dangerous, illegal orders when we pushed back, and I was the one who, who pushed back more. I, I became the target, and, and I saw this play out, alterations of my timesheet, make an arrest, have someone else redo your paperwork and shred the paperwork. So you could be accused of doing an incompetent job. And they actually tried that, except the guy that was ordered to redo my paperwork decided that it was so outrageous, because all he did was copy what I wrote, that instead of shredding it, he kept it for me, which became a key exhibit in my lawsuit against the government. When you have bosses who operate with a total sense of impunity, and they know that they face no consequences for whatever they do, you set up a very dangerous situation. In my judgment, if somebody in government does something wrong, they need to pay a price. General Flynn will likely sue for violations of his civil rights. I hope he succeeds. But even if he gets millions of dollars, Peter Strzok and all the others that were involved, Comey, they won't be forced to pay a penny. If they had to suffer a financial loss, maybe people in the future would be more circumspect about their willingness to wield their power. Just like in politics, you have people in law enforcement and government and industry who become empowered to act on their own impulses when they feel that they're going to be shielded from any adverse consequences. We need to take that shielding away. I don't care what job you're in, you need to be held accountable. If a surgeon screws up in the operating room, he or she could lose his job, be sued, even prosecuted. There's accountability. There needs to be comparable accountability in government. Now, I mentioned the the numbers game. 
lots of people have said to me, you know, that we're doing a better job or a worse job on the border because of how many Border Patrol arrests there are. Neil Cavuto asked me that once. And I said, Neil, trying to figure out how many illegal aliens are here and how good a job we're doing based on arrest statistics is like taking attendance by asking people not present to raise their hand. It doesn't work. So first of all, you need to know that if the Border Patrol arrests the same alien five times and then that person gets through on the sixth attempt, they take credit for five arrests. Same person, but in three days they arrest the same person five times, that's five arrests. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? God knows. On the other hand, as an agent, uh, very often we arrested people. We had no place to hold them, so we did the paperwork on them. We released them, and they were back out running around on the loose doing whatever it is they were doing. I felt like I worked for fish and wildlife. All that was missing was putting a tag in their ear. So what was the meaning of my arresting that guy if we had to release him again? Well, we sometimes would process people who overstayed their visas, and we had the, the records on that, and we didn't even have the warm body in front of us, nor did we know where the person was. But we filled out the arrest form, and we did it so that when at the end of the year or at the end of the quarter there was a hearing, our people could go to Washington and tell Congress, in the last year, X number of aliens were processed for deportation. When I spoke to Al D'Amato when I was working with him to create the aggravated felon reentry law, I asked him what it meant if he was told, just to throw a hypothetical number into the conversation, if someone said that 425,000 illegal aliens were processed for deportation. And the senator looked at me and he said, well, it sounds like you deported 425,000 aliens. I said, no, it just meant that we filled out 425,000 of these arrest forms. We have no idea how many we actually deported based on that number. Well, at the next hearing when the commissioner was there, he started to ask him questions that I helped to design for him. Um, the commissioner wasn't there much longer. We've got to make our bureaucracies meaningful, and the statistics need to account for something, not a numbers game to impress people because no one even knows what the numbers mean. Let me give you one extreme example of this. Is it good news or bad news if we were to find out that, let's say, for the month of January, there were no arrests along the Mexican border? Of course, that did not happen. But hypothetically, if you saw the headline, zero arrests made by Border Patrol along U.S.-Mexican border. Is it good news or bad news? Think about it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing if the Border Patrol made no arrests? Well, here's the answer to that. It could be anything you want it to be. It could mean that the Border Patrol has done such a great job of reinforcing the border and deterring illegal immigration that nobody even tried to run the border, so nobody got in. That's great news. On the other hand, if the Border Patrol agents were told to go to the movies and thousands of aliens charged the border and weren't stopped and weren't identified, you would also wind up with zero arrests, wouldn't you? See, the point that I'm trying to make in that hypothetical example is those statistics are next to worthless. They are worthless. But the politicians can twist those numbers any which way they want. They decide if the glass is half empty and they decide if the glass is half full. That's why it is important that we pay attention to the numbers, that we make the politicians accountable, and they make the bureaucrats accountable. The agents want to do a good job, but there's a great Yiddish expression that says that when the fish goes bad, it smells from the head. So what we really are dealing with, if you look at the FBI with what happened 
to General Flynn is you had Comey and these others at the, at the top of the food chain at the FBI acting unscrupulously. I mean, I can never forget, if you remember, Comey holding that news conference after they interviewed Hillary Clinton, and he said most people would have been prosecuted, but not in this case. Well, or he's recommending that they not prosecute. Understand that that's not his authority. The way it works, folks, in case you don't know, and you probably don't, unless you were an insider, you wouldn't realize this. The agents, whether it's the FBI, immigration, ATF, Secret Service, U.S. Marshals, doesn't matter. You conduct an investigation. You go to the U.S. attorney and say, these are the facts I have. Do you want to accept prosecution? It's up to the federal prosecutors to determine whether or not the person committed a crime that they are willing to prosecute because they have prosecutorial discretion because they can't take every case or the system would melt down within the first 24 hours. So they establish guidelines for prosecution. Now, it's entirely possible that the FBI director could go to the attorney general, his boss, and say, these are the facts that we've gathered. Do you want to prosecute? And then the attorney general says yes or no. But this is not something that's up to the FBI to decide. So when Comey said, I am recommend, if I get the words out, I'm recommending no prosecution, that was backwards. It's not his job. His job is to have his people conduct the investigation, produce the results of the investigation to the attorney general, and then the prosecutors make that decision, not the head of the FBI. This was a case of the tail wagging the dog. Lots of irregularities. And I don't care where you stand politically, folks. Lady Justice wears a blindfold for a good reason. The idea is that the person that's being charged with a crime or not being charged with a crime, that decision should be made purely objectively, not subjectively. That's what equal protection under the law really means. Apparently, it doesn't apply. Once again, we come back to George Orwell and Animal Farm, right? All animals are created equal. Some are equal than others. By the way, you should know that uh, just before I went on air today, Attorney General Barr had said that the cities in certain places need to start opening up. There is certainly a concern about civil rights violations <clears throat> being committed by mayors and governors who may well be exceeding their authority. By the way, I remind you that I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine. I'd love for you to see it and pass it along to other people. It's called Fake News and Orwell's Ministry of Truth. Uh, please check it out if you haven't already. Hope you like it. And uh, let as many people as possible know about it. I hope it's thought-provoking. Stay safe, everybody. Be well. Have a great weekend. Uh, and please get involved. Have those conversations with your neighbors. We as Americans need to come together. We've got to focus on those things that make us most similar, not those things that make us most different. And the reality is we are far more similar than we are different. E pluribus unum, out of many one. Remember, folks, democracy is not. Again, I wish you all a great weekend. Stay well. See you next week right here on the Michael Butler Hour. Good night.